You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thanks, Ben. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be back up here and get to share the message that the Lord has put on my heart. And I'm going to be in Luke chapter 15, a little bit in 14, but Luke chapter 15, if you have your Bibles with you. But I want to start with a passage from Isaiah. But here on the mountain, the God of the angel armies will throw a feast for all the people of the world, a feast of the finest foods, a feast with vintage wines, a feast of seven courses, a feast with lavish gourmet desserts. And here on this mountain, God will banish the pall of doom hanging over all peoples, the shadow of doom darkening all nations. Yes, he'll banish death forever. And God will wipe the tears from every face. He'll remove every sign of disgrace from his people wherever they are. Yes, God says so. Also at the time, at that time, people will say, look at what has happened. This is our God. We waited for him. He showed up. He saved us. Let's celebrate. Sing the joys of his salvation. God's hand rests on this mountain. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are present with us. We thank you that you go ahead of us in this life. We thank you that you are a feast-throwing, party-loving kind of God and that you celebrate over each and every one of your children that is found in you. In your name, amen. So in the midst, as I was talking about just a few minutes ago, in the midst of where we're at with the pandemic, I know that we are all in the same boat. I have really missed social gatherings. I've really missed the parties. I mean, I've really missed our whole community here in chapel together. I've missed it feeling a bit packed. I've missed like how you, we all sing together. I've even really missed the bottleneck that happens right there as people are trying to get out. Like I've missed it all. I've missed the cafeteria in the sense like I've missed like just being able to go and find your people and see who's there and cram around a table. I've missed seeing everyone's like whole face. I've missed not being able to go anywhere without making a reservation. (laughs) I haven't missed doctor's waiting rooms though, but I've missed so much of us being together. I've missed like dinner parties. I just love to get together with friends at my house or a restaurant. I'm sure you do too. I love to like cram together around a table where everyone's like leaning in together and sharing the blooming onion or sharing whatever appetizers in front of you, right? I love like getting to laugh at each other's stories and not worrying about like whose breath you're breathing in. Like I love being connected. I think we're all a bit miserable that we have not been able to gather like our hearts want to. Now, I I know that in the state of our world and in this, I'm certain in our community, we've lost people to COVID and have family members that have really struggled with sickness. I'm not saying that our, you know, me missing the parties is like the worst of it, but it is something that we can all relate to. I've really missed the parties. I mean, I really love to throw a party, and I'm going to be throwing a lot of parties post-COVID. 
You know, someone else really loved parties. Jesus loved parties. Jesus loved group events and group gatherings. And I was kind of imagining, you know, Jesus being the first one to sign up at the synagogue for the potluck and bringing like the the goat cheese fig date dish, you know. (laughs) Jesus loved parties. He loved being with people. People loved being with Jesus. He also had a really terrible habit of hanging out with the wrong people. Jesus kept disgracing himself in the eyes of the church people by keeping company with those who didn't like keep all the Jewish laws and didn't tended to be unclean and generally people of ill repute. But yet Jesus had a way of making everyone feel as though they belonged. Women who had lived at the edges of society, not daring to show up as unclean, found freedom to touch him. Women considered prostitutes, washed his feet, tax collectors who were demonized, welcomed him to his tables. Wealthy women funded his ministry. Sick people followed him around. Children ran and tried to get on his lap. Pharisees even, right, sought him out and asked deep theological questions, sometimes in the middle of the night. Fishermen followed him around. Everywhere he went, people felt something unusual with Jesus. They felt as though they were, that they belonged. Now this desire to belong, this search to belong, it's like deep inside of us. We can see it all the way back to the Garden of Eden, that we are created for relationship. We are created for belonging. It's as much a part of being human as each part of DNA in every cell of your body. And as yet, if I went around this room and said, do you belong? Do you belong? Do you feel like you belong? Do you? We would all fumble a bit with that answer. Because even though the desire to belong is so deep in us, we also find ourselves vulnerable in our belonging. It, it makes us question where and how we really belong. There may have never been a time on this planet where we're so accessible to each other, We can text anyone at any time, anywhere. And, you know, if they're up and available, we can get a response. And yet, I don't know that we've ever been more lonely. Like this deep need for belonging is so inside of us. I was talking with Kevin Ballou, our Associate Dean for Wholeness and Wellness. He uh, works and oversees our counseling program. And he said to our team, he said, you should just assume that every student is lonely. He said, loneliness is such a rampant part of our culture. There's a pandemic on loneliness as much as there is the virus. I remember a few years ago in a different state, in a different place, I had a conversation with a college student. She had a wonderfully hippie name. Her name was Liberty. I don't know what happened to Liberty, so big shout out to Liberty if you're listening to this. But her name was Liberty, but Liberty was anything but free. She came out of the foster system, and she carried a lot of grief and depression and pain with her. She was also funny and quirky and had a great sense of style. And I remember one time, Liberty and I were having a conversation over coffee, and she kind of looked up, and she looked around at the student center at that school, and she saw the students passing. And I won't forget what she said. She said, I walk around here, and I feel invisible. I feel like people look right through me. I feel like I could vanish right here and no one would even know. I just don't belong anywhere. Well, I hope none of you feel the depth of loneliness that 
my friend Liberty felt, that kind of invisibility. But all of us have this desire to, be, to belong, to be included, to find our way. It's part of our human identity. Well, today I want to tell you about three party invitations. Three party invitations that Jesus gives us that are all about belonging. I've really enjoyed as I've gotten into these scriptures, recognizing how much the story of God is about a really great party. The first party invitation I want to give you, that Jesus wants to give you, is a party just for you. It's a party in your honor. Let me tell you about it. This is a story Jesus told. Jesus told about a woman who had 10 silver coins. If she loses one of them, Jesus says, does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? When she found, finds it, she calls together all her friends and her neighbors and she says, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. We used to have this big old green couch in our house, and it was like the, the green couch of doom because you could just lose anything in that green couch. I mean, we probably lost our cat in the couch. I mean, when we eventually one time figured out what was happening, that it was like this Bermuda Triangle of lost items, we turned the couch over. I mean, we found like three remotes, a whole wallet, an iPhone, stuffed animals like a pair of jeans. I mean, we found like everything in this green couch. So when I read the story, I got to think about that woman turning her house upside down, emptying out her green sofa. Like where was that missing coin? I also think about, about, I mean, I must have been like 20 years ago. I was just, I was perhaps just a few years out of college and a dear friend and mentor allowed me to come and be present at the birth of her baby girl. And I hope that at some point in your life, you get to be present at a birth because there is nothing more where spirituality and physicality intersect. It's an incredible gift to be present to what is always a holy experience. But I remember so well that time where I watched the sweet little baby Ashley being born. And, and I remember the love that was in the room. And even though no one had met her, no one had like held her even, except for her mom, I guess. <laughs> but, but there was so much love and anticipation over this sweet little baby. And when she arrived in the wor world, I remember she was bright blue as a blueberry. She had the umbilical cord several times around her neck. And as the doctor moved it off of her neck and she started to breathe, I can still remember how pink began to fill from her lungs, from her chest, all the way through her arms, her legs and into her toes and she turned this beautiful pink color and the celebration around her life and her birth. And that even as much as she was loved there, that it was God who had created, who had breathed life into this sweet little one, who had called her his own. You know, I believe that this is the kind of deep love and celebration that God has over each one of us. There's another time where Jesus is talking to the church leaders in the synagogue, and he, and he says, bring me a coin. They're talking about what belongs to Caesar. And so they bring Jesus a coin, and he says to them, whose head is on 
this coin? Whose image is on the coin? Whose title? And they answered, the emperor's. And Jesus said to them, give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's. So similarly to our money now, the ancient currency bore the stamped image of whose it belonged to. And do you know that similar to that coin, that coin that the housekeeping God in this story looks and searches for and finds that we bear the image of God upon us, that our belonging is sealed by God's image in us, the Imago Dei, that God has breathed life into us, that deeper than our DNA, we bear the image of God. So this is the first party invitation. It's for you. It's a party in your honor. It's an invitation to know that you belong to God. The next party invitation is a story that you've all heard a lot. I want to pull just one part of it out. When the son was still a long way off, his father saw him. The father's heart pounding, he ran out and embraced his son and kissed him. The son started his speech, Father, I've sinned against God. I've sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father was not listening. He was calling to his servants, quick, bring the best clothes and dress him. Put the family signet ring on his finger. Get the prize winning kefir and roast it. We're going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. We are celebrating. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive. Given up for loss and now found. And they began to celebrate and have a wonderful time. Well, you know this story of the prodigal son, and you know that there is two sons in this story. There's the older son and the younger son. And I want to suggest to you that both of those sons were lost. You know, this story is very culturally bound, and so this was not a case of of a, of a young son asking for some money so he could go and an adult, do practice adulting and go try his, try his way in the world. This instead was him bringing shame on his family. Shame to the point that it was better to eat what the pigs are eating than when what he had. But for either of these brothers... At this moment in the story, the one older brother has done everything he can to keep it all together and do the right thing. But his heart is just as lost as the younger brother. He's got bitterness and anger that's compacted. He's tried so hard to do the right thing. And he comes to his father, why are you doing this? And his father, the father God illustration in the story says, I had a dead son who's now alive. I had a lost son who's now found. Come and celebrate with us. Everything I have is yours. Whether you know it or not, God is at work in your story. Dr. Brown spoke on Monday and he used a quote from a theologian, Alistair McGrath, and he said, you were born into a story. Your story is already a part of God's story. God's big cosmic narrative is unfolding, and your story is in the midst of that story. We have supporting roles in the cosmic narrative of God. 
God goes ahead of this. We Wesleyans call this prevenient grace. The God that goes ahead of us, wooing us, seeking us. The Father that not only waits and scans the horizon, but runs out to greet us. The housekeeping God who's searching for us, who will not give up. The good shepherd God who goes and finds that one last sheep. We have a God who woos us. Way back 300 years ago, a 22-year-old man wrote these words in Come Thou Fount. He said, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter, a fetter is like a shackle or a tether, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. As much as it's in our human condition to desire and search for belonging, it's in our human condition to leave and follow our own way, to seek our own inward curve back in ourselves, to put ourselves in the center instead of God in the center, to make the cosmic story about me and about you instead about God, to take our place as the chief the chief person in the story instead of that it's God's story that we're a part of. You have an invitation to a party for those who are found. You have an invitation to your own and to your friends' redemption party, to your restoration party, to your repentance party, to your turnaround and let's go the direction of God party, to the I've been lost, I've been dead, I've been alone, to I belong in the family of God. I take up residence as a member of the family of God. This is your invitation. We're doing everything we can in the Asbury University community to create scaffolding and space to make it the most available and able for you to hear the Holy Spirit so that you and I will turn around because we are prone to wander. We are prone to being lost. The Holy Spirit is the one who finds us and calls us and goes ahead of us. So a party invitation in your honor, you belong to God. A second party invitation to the redemption story. I've got one more party invitation for you. It's in Luke 14. This is a story that Jesus tells of a man who planned and prepared a huge dinner, a feast. He sent out invitations to all of his friends. His friends called him back. I'm too busy. I just made a major purchase and I need to take care of it. I got a lot of paperwork. My taxes are due. I'm doing a building project. It's a lot of work. I just got married. Please accept my apologies. I have to clean my garage. It's a disaster. The man was very disappointed. He said, oh, well, I'm going to put up posters all around town. I'm going to invite anyone who wants to come to my party. Sure enough, he put up the posters. But even so, there wasn't enough to fill up his house. He said, that's okay. I'm going to put it on Facebook. I'm going to put it on the Twitterverse. <laughs> I'm going to invite anyone. Are there, is there anyone out there who's not too busy to come to my party? You know, there is a lot of teaching in this little passage. Jesus calls for anyone to come. In a little, another little story right beside it, he calls it, go out and find the poor, the destitute, find the people who are lame, the crippled, the disabled, the intellectually disabled, bring them in. It doesn't matter to me, socioeconomic status, who you are, where you're born, who you knew, it doesn't matter. Anyone's invited to my party. 
There's so much teaching crammed in there, but I want to talk about two things. One is at that time, to be invited into the kingdom community, to be invited into the church, to be one of God's people, you had to be from a particular family line. You had to be Jewish. You had to do the right things. You had to have the right dad. You had to show up at the right time. You had to wash your hands in a certain way. And Jesus said, you know what? I am going to lower the bar of invitation. I'm going to lower it to the ground. I'm going to say everyone is welcome. No longer do you have to have the right pedigree. Those of you who feel like you're at a place at Asbury because you didn't grow up in the right Christian home, you didn't grow up with the right experiences, you didn't grow up with the right story. No, Jesus is like, forget that. That's, that's crazy talk. That's not the kind of party that I'm inviting you to. I'm, invi- I'm lowering, I am lowering the bar of invitation. In the next passage, right after this one, then Jesus talks about the cost of discipleship. He says, it'll cost you everything you have. It's your whole heart. It's your whole being. It's your whole story. It's your whole family. So Jesus lowers the bar of invitation, and then he raises the bar of discipleship and commitment. That was also news to the Jews then, who were like, they're, they're working busily on their checkboxes. Okay, I do this right. I do this right. I, I go to chapel. I don't cheat on my exams. I'm nice to my friends. Jesus is like, there is not a checklist long enough to get you into the kingdom of heaven. It is only your whole heart. It is only turn around and repent and follow me. And Jesus lifts the bar of commitment, but lowers the bar of invitation. Anyone is welcome. There's another way to think about this teaching. And that is that you are the party host. N.T. Wright defines the, the church or the kingdom community like this. The church is, this is an incredible definition. The church is the single multi-ethnic family promised by the creator God to Abraham. It was brought into being by Israel's Messiah, Jesus. It was energized by God's spirit. It was called to be the transformative news of God's rescuing justice to the whole of creation. The church, the kingdom of community was called to be the transformative news of God's rescuing justice to the whole of creation. So I'd like to say, to paraphrase, the church throws a really great party. (laughs) The church is called to be the transformative news of God's rescuing justice to the whole creation. We are called as kingdom community people. If you are all in, if you are found, if you belong, you've chosen to belong, you've chosen to accept your belonging. If you're showing up at the party, then you get to be a party host. Then you get to throw the best parties. You know, Christians throw the best parties. Because it's not about us, it's about the guests. We're the people that are looking at the edges and who's in the, who needs to be at the center. We're the people that are dreaming about how we can get the next group gathering together because we know that we want to celebrate what God is doing in the world and we want to invite people into the transformative news of God's rescuing justice to all creation. So you have three invitations. You're invited to know your identity as stamped with the image of God. You belong to God. You're invited to be found by God. You're invited to belong to this kingdom community. All of us are on a spiritual journey. Do you know that the center of God is right in your seat? Nicholas of Cusa said, 
The center of God is everywhere. The circumference of God is nowhere. Do you know that the center of God is right with you? The Holy Spirit presence is right upon you. The center of the heart of God is pursuing you, wooing you, calling you, breathing life into you, giving these invitations. And somewhere in this journey, the Holy Spirit is nudging you. Either you're called to be found or you're called to be a party thrower. You know, it might have to be post-COVID when you pulled everyone together. <laughs> but you could be a party thrower in your own way and in your own time. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you invite us into fellowship. We thank you that you throw amazing parties. We thank you that your prophetic word is about the incredible feast that we're going to have together when death is no more, when there's no more tears. We thank you that we get to belong to redemptive community like Asbury. We thank you that it teaches us a bit about what the kingdom community is called to be. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen. As you go out today, may you go out knowing that you are in the center of God's heart. Respond to the party invitation and have a great day. You're dismissed.